Oh my god, it's Hotline League episode 185, and we know two teams that are going to Worlds. They'll be revealed shortly for any of you that have not been paying attention to the playoffs. Uh, I'm joined right now by my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? It's going. What? You kind of cut out there. It's it's going. My, there you my go. classic answer, it's, it's going. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to just quickly say that... Uh, the show is brought to you by Alienware, GameFuel, and Talkspace. We'll be talking more about those later. Uh, and we're also joined right now by GM of 100 Thieves. Surprise, surprise, spoiler alert, going to Worlds, Papa Smithy. How's it going, Papa Smithy? You know what? It was a pretty good weekend, Travis. So yes. uh, you caught me on a good day. You caught me on a good day. Yes. Well, I appreciate you reached out to me. I could tell you were in a good mood because you reached out to me and you're like, do you need a guest for Hotline League? I had somebody somewhat, but they uh, they didn't return my my follow up, and so it worked out really well that you were able to get in. Uh, yes, and I know we've, no, we've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, but sometimes I think it's I, I assume it's just easier now that your your work is not done, but it worlds is secured. I'm sure it makes it easier to come on the show. Think yeah. GM did anything after they made their rosters? True, actually, we just <laughs> chill out. I was really just zen during that best of five. Yeah, <laughs> no worries at all. Well, regardless, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do our, our normal thing here where I ask Mark how his week has been, and he uh, basically acts like he's done absolutely nothing for the week before realizing he's watched three different shows. Uh, so, Mark, how's your week been? Uh, <clears throat> so, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I watched. Did I tell you about Reservation Dogs last time? No, I don't think so. I think we talked about White Lotus last okay. time, which I almost watched okay. last night, but then I realized my HBO sub had uh, had fallen down. All right, well, if you have a Hulu sub, I cannot recommend Reservation Dogs enough. I was It's not a show I'd normally watch. I actually threw it on, and like I was like, eh, this is okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good through the first like half of the show, first episode. And then they get to this sequence, and it's like a, a spirit world dream sequence and it is the fucking funniest thing and the show is actually it's by uh taiko ytt or oh, yeah. uh yep. yeah yeah so he he is very creative and i didn't know that when i started watching but like you know it, it's actually shot doing really funny things and like i don't know I, I can't recommend it enough that that scene made me laugh harder than anything i've watched in years i'm pretty sure is it only one season uh yeah, it's, still, it's still coming out yeah so there's like three episodes maybe now gotcha okay are you watching it papa smithy no, no, I just heard about it. Yeah, I usually similar. try to keep keep um, up to date so I know what to watch when I get time. But been some stressful days here, so uh, Fair enough. hopefully it clears up at some point. Uh, well, Mark, anything else, or has that mostly been your whole week? You watched a couple episodes of the finale. What's that? I think the Bachelor finale happened. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe no spoilers for that, I guess. I don't know. That was last week. It happened last week. Okay. It's spoiled if... Uh, I don't know. Good for them the end i did i did appreciate that we had people you gave your your synopsis of the bachelor, bachelor viewers <laughs> yeah there were apparently a lot because they showed up in our youtube comments last week after you you gave your criticism of one of the the contestants and they were i guess defending him or right, talking about the situation i don't know there were more bachelor comments than i thought they would be um yeah. and yeah bachelor in paradise starts tonight so i'll definitely be watching that tomorrow with ashley wow I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear you're keeping busy 
that's good. Oh, and we lost the camera. Okay. We lost Mark. Yes. Uh, that's fine, because he was directing it in a, a negative direction. All right, Papa Smithy, how have you been recently? Do, have you had a chance to do anything or think about anything other than competitive League of Legends? I mean, the easy answer is no, but you, you catch yourself on moments where you your mind drifts a bit. It's kind of the best I can say. We went out on a yacht uh, about five weeks ago. The players have been really wanting to go out and, on a boat, so like that was uh, a bit of like a momentary reprieve. But apart from that, it's kind of been, what? Well, how do we get to Worlds? What's happening next week? How did the last result go? How do we make the next one better? It's GM is you know pretty full on. Like you can always be doing something and. That's pretty much the way it goes. Uh, can I ask uh, about the boat thing, like, because that yeah. does not sound like a gamer move. Who spearheaded the design? Like, who was the one who was the most gung ho about the boat ride? A closer was definitely the one who was the most gung ho about the boat ride, and I think he just got everyone into it. And it was just, it was one of those things where when your players are like, let's go on a boat, you're like, really? That's that's what you want to do? But um, you know, they rented a yacht, they invited me on. We, uh, you know, it was it was fun. It was it was definitely a different side of LA than I've been seeing because pretty much apartment to uh, cash up compound is kind of the the work life balance issue over here but uh, yeah it was a nice it was a nice day and hopefully there's a few more of those coming in the future yeah I mean I I don't know when or how long um, you guys will have to go because I assume you'll have to head over early anyway for quarantine yep um, so some, I assume sometime in September but I don't know maybe you guys will have a little bit of a break before you you have to hop on a it's plane. Pretty, and it's head it's over there? pretty tight turnaround from end of LCS to like first date. You need to be in China. Definitely, it was less than I expected. Um, I don't. It's still a moving date, so I shouldn't speak out of turn. But it's yeah. definitely a lot closer than you would think. In our in my head, it was oh, we'll do a, a boot camp in Korea and then make our way there. But you know, quarantines are a thing. COVID is flaring up around the world, so it's all it's all pretty um, short turnaround. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Well. Uh, I, nobody ever asks me, but my week was mediocre. Uh, but I, I've fin I'm now all caught up on Ted Lasso, which is a great thing. I've been mm -hmm. trying to find, I did a sponsored uh, stream for a game called Tribes of Midgard recently. And I've been trying to find people to play that with me. Um, and I had, all my friends now have children or families or Kelby only wants to play like Rainbow Six Siege. Um, uh, and then the other, I guess the rest of my friends, I have a lot of friends that literally only play WoW, Path of Exile, or League of Legends. Those are people like Peter and Kobe. And so it's just really difficult to find people to play video games with. Um, so that's the battle that I've been experiencing lately. And Mark plays, I guess you just play Final Fantasy uh, lately. Yeah, I play by myself too. Like even if I did play the same game as you, I probably like other than that one Genshin Impact period. But even then, we didn't play together. We just I was gonna ask, are we gonna be playing Genshin Impact again during all night long during Worlds? I you installed it, right? You you reinstalled it? Yeah, because it's like the 2.0 thing, and like Lily Pichu voiced one of the characters, and I saw everyone tweeting about it, and it, it like got my my itch made me want to scratch it so i, I installed it. i haven't played too much yet but okay well don't get too far ahead of me because but for those that don't know last year during worlds mark and i we just would play do nothing but play genshin impact and watch worlds and then i would do my interviews at the end of the day um and we'd stay up all night doing that so uh it was it was crazy every night we would just get on and and do that. So I'm I've, neither of us, I think, have played much since. And I streamed a little bit for like a bounty a while ago, but um, 
I'm I'm excited for the potential return of our Genshin Impact adventures as as Worlds kicks off and we go Nocturnal again, which is already so fun. Um, all right. Anyway, it's been a busy week for the LCS. There were four days of matches, which is unusual, uh, but we had playoffs. Some teams going home, some teams going to Worlds, and some teams yet to be decided. But we now know that Hundred Thieves is going. Uh, as Papa Smithy is is here, and so is Team Liquid. And uh, a pretty, they've looked really good recently. So I don't know, Mark. What did you think of the the playoff matches this weekend? Uh, I thought it was a pretty good weekend. I think you know a couple of the losers ones were shellackings. I was surprised Immortals Dig was that bad. Um, and then the C9 Golden Gardens one was kind of as expected. And then the upper bracket matchups were pretty good. The 100 Thieves EG one, obviously better. Um, TL, TSM one, it was engaging to watch. They're, people are playing a fun play style, but um, it definitely felt like, oh, shit, TL is just like way better than them uh, as you watch the series progress. So, um, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed game five that 100 Thieves had to shit on them so hard. You know, one of the super close game five, but Papa Smithy and his boys just had to no, no, ruin no, that no. dream. I am. I was honestly. <laughs> you, you go balling. <laughs> I was actually so surprised after the Danny play um, that that the the it was so one sided afterwards. And uh, I thought that it would be way more competitive, and that like EG would rally, and like you guys would be like, "Oh shit, that sucked." But instead, you guys were like, "Fuck that!" It seemed like it just made everybody angry, and they just came in and steamrolled everybody. That's actually a good question for Papa. What was like the atmosphere in the coaching room watching that play happen and like the players after that game after throwing a pretty big lead? So I'll never forget the passage of like the end of the fourth game because we're up 8K um, and Reaper's like, you know, we should go to the front row and sit down. Like, you know, like we're going to win, you know, like the game's going to be over. So we went up there. So it's the four of us, I think, were sitting in the front row because, you know, you want to be there for the celebration moment, right? And we were very significantly ahead and then obviously we were less significantly ahead and then we lost obviously so you know you're going through this like like soul is leaving your body moment right where you're realizing like oh shit we're playing another game after this um and jazuke took off his headset right because he's hyped as fuck because they won right and he sees us in the front row and he's like look they're even in the front row like you know he was like popping off about it <laughs> he was laughing that you guys like, came out Pretty much, right? Like, that's the gist of it, right? Oh, I'm sitting there and, like, you know, I'm just like, all right. And then, you know, once you realize it's happened, right? You, we, we, we were um, between games going outside, you know, to the back patio. Um, and I have a role to play, like things to carry, things to bring and stuff. So, you know, you just like, I had to have that quick moment where you readjust yourself. Like, all right, you know, you go out there. And I didn't know what I would see out there either, right? It'd be pretty easy for the players to be tilted out of their minds or anything after an ending like that but you know i went to grab stuff walked outside kind of like very interested to see what i was gonna see and like everyone was like complete game face and complete like hey like this is what we should do for game five we should choose red side this time to mix it up there was no there was no aftershocks at all from the group which says something you know that was really impressive to see like i couldn't have expected that you have high expectations for your players but you know, that's a very visceral moment to go through. Um, and for them to shrug it off in the way they did and win game five, definitely, like, I must admit, like, for sure, like, when game five kicked off, you know, and I walked back to the 
the viewing room, you know, the coach's room, my heart was beating so fast I couldn't even concentrate on the screen at level one. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even focus. I was like, holy crap, that happened. All right, let's, let's see what happens here. And so it was funny, like when we got like a pretty decent lead, like, you know, it was looking like we were likely to win. Someone chose that time to be like, all right, so we're going over now, right? And I was like, no, shut the fuck up. We're staying here. <laughs> we're staying here right now. And then, yes, I was the last one to uh, make it back to the stage that time. I wasn't going to fall for that twice. So it was, uh, curse, yeah. it's, it's definitely like one of like career low moments into one of the career high moments, you know, within the course of an hour. So it was, uh, it was quite the series for sure. That is, that is crazy. No but... Any of that was playing out. Yeah, I wish, I wish I'd known. It's so funny. So, you know, we, we went and hugged, you know, we celebrated on the stage, et cetera. And I'm walking back and, and Jizuke called me. Um, and it was like, by the way, I, I'm so sorry. I apologize for, you know, popping off of me. I was hey, the moment. I'm like, no, mate, calm down. Like anyone would have done the same thing as you. Absolutely no hard feelings. Like whatever the result was, like you can never hold a moment like that against a player if they get hyped about stuff like that. It's like people who apologize to me for like predicting against my team. I'm like, you should apologize to me if you lie to me about your prediction or don't say the truth. Like, you got to go on your convictions, right? So no way I could ever hold anything against Jizuke in a moment like that. But it was a, uh, yeah, surreal couple of hours for sure. Well, Peter Dunn in the chat, I think, oh, man, I'm trying to figure out where he said it. But he he said that the players had saw, saw that you guys came out and uh, and it was like big motivation for them when they realized that you guys had gotten so confident that you had you had walked out to see it. So... Um, I've tried, I was trying to scroll up to find it, but I guess a lot of people were laughing at the story. Yeah, I mean, they should, right? Like, best of fives, like, especially as a caster, you, you lose some of the, like, appreciation for, like, all of the, like, table setting and expectations and, like, the ego around getting yourself up for a big match and stuff. So when you live through it, like, you got to harness that stuff. If it gives you even 1% of an advantage, you got to take it, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's super like true. That, uh, but... that human element is is what was most missed with the the online <clears throat> stuff is like the like Jizuke at one point looked like stood up and like yelled at your team or maybe yeah. he was yelling at you guys but like that's during the, the game us, that's who uh, that was that was us that time but oh, during the yeah. game uh, during the game as you know he's yelling and or typing in any direction he can that's <laughs> his heart he's uh he's a vocal character I love yeah. it so much I love it so much I'm so happy that it's become something like the wait you guys on broadcast I think showed the the Jizuke banter, Mark. Some, some old chat, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty cool. By the way, shout out to Frosk for the raid. That was really nice of her. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, Papa Smithy, was I did an interview with Sven the day before you guys played, and he had said, like, oh, yeah, I would have predicted EG, but the word on the street is that, like, 100 Thieves has gotten really good in the past week or two. Um, and so I guess I'm kind of curious, like, are you able to speak to how it was that you guys started to, to kind of get out of what I think a lot of people had considered like a slump or a drop from the place that you guys had been? Or how were you guys able to, to make up so much ground during those couple of weeks to become the superior team? Surprised when the, like, word on the street comments came out. But I guess just to, like, back up and shed some light, because I think context is important, is that... During the season, you know, I think a lot of people know this, it's three match days, break day, three scrim days, right? Um, you know, some people belabor the fact that it's only 15 games of scrims and normal week and things like that. But the thing to take away from that is, is it's really hard to 
change the momentum of your season during the regular season. Because what will happen is, is you know, if you're doing well, you go 2-1 or 3-0, and you come back, maybe you got some patch notes to talk about, maybe you got one thing to work on that's like, like not a serious point, because obviously you went 2-1, right? So it's like not as like significant. And you're like, how can we extend our win streak kind of thoughts? So your first day, it might be like loose practice, because you're trying new champions and stuff you prepared in solo queue. Or, uh, and then you just continue on and, and things like that. But let's say you had a bad weekend. You, you kind of only have that first day to experiment, whether it's a happy or a bad weekend. And so let's say you come away with like three things you need to fix because your team is struggling, like you went zero, like, you know, one and two, zero, three. If you haven't fixed your biggest issue by the end of the first day, you kind of don't have a lot of time to refocus from there. Like you kind of only have that first day to experiment and then it's back to the status quo. So both in good ways and bad ways, it means that arresting momentum is tricky. And when you're winning, working on kind of like some of your smaller points that didn't actually hold you back from winning becomes something that you can do for kind of a day. And then you go back to like, okay, how are we gonna win in two days on the weekend? And so because of that, it's very easy to reach a point where you've never been able to fully work on your flaws and you've been trying to like focus on the match ahead and the match in front and things can hold on for a while. And that's what I think you see is it takes some teams a long time to work their way up from like a, a poor off season or start up, start up as a new roster, or it takes a lot of time for the, the converse as well. And for us by the end, when we were obviously struggling but based on the eye test, at the end of the season, it was one of those things where the meta had changed enough and teams had kind of done enough work to see what we were good at and what we were bad at, where that came together to be us being the sum of our flaws, a good team, but a flawed team. And so you kind of need that 10 days in a row to scrim to actually breathe around your weaknesses rather than look at them not be able to instantly fix them and then kind of go back to the things that are getting you wins was basically what I found is, is that we had enough time to really understand what we are and what we aren't, get through those, work on the stuff we needed to work on. And we were a much more complete team by the time we actually took the rift the second time around. And it's why you look at predictions for the series and stuff. They have to be based on at that point, you know, 50, 60, 70 scrims ago, 100 Thieves versus yeah. like the team that actually took the rift on Saturday. So that's that's kind of what happens there is, I think when the scouting reports were coming through for some players that we were doing better in scrims, it's we had actually started to finally work on the things that we couldn't do in the regular season. Gotcha. So just having that extra time. It's interesting because I have often wondered if uh, those longer breaks, you know, or like taking the, or the week off can be a momentum killer in some ways where like you know if if the team that you're playing is just coming you want off it when of... you're cold and not when you're hot yeah i agree with that right yeah. like if you're really like hitting your stride and like the meta is really suiting you then you don't want to take a week off because yes it does doubt will creep in but if you're if you have stuff to work on then i think it's really welcome so again it depends on your group like uh you know are they gonna waste a lot of practice or get tilted or anything like that or are they fast learners and all like there's a lot of different dynamics there but the moment we locked to top two it was definitely a a welcome like okay now we can approach this problem in a different way rather than 
one day and then you know instant band-aid kind of thing. yeah and we were we were just talking about jazuke popping off in the chat uh somebody uh let's see who was it oh spectator lcs were in chat jazuke has been exposed can't play control mages jazuke in the twitch chat right now of the show going xdddd i'm so bad at control mages they banned my cinder after game two uh, so even even in during Hotline League, uh, Jazuke is showing up in the chat to uh, banter with the audience live. You love to see it. Uh, I mean, so I think people are seeing the real Jazuke. Like, I think it's not a screen name. It's not a character. I think he is just a really, um, you know, emotional, like hard on his sleeve kind of guy, and just goes with what feels right, to, true to him. And if yeah. someone else is like, "You're flawed for this reason," he can just be like, "This is just me," you know. And I think. Being able to celebrate people like that and, and having them amplified can only be a good thing for a competition, right? Because nobody now has no opinion on Jazuke. You have a strong position one way or the other, and I think most people are coming around to like, it's it's better to have him around than not, right? Like he's yes. just a, he's a entertainment machine. No, I love it. And I mean, we, we've talked about how we've wanted more of this in the LCS for some time. I felt like, uh, you know, we had another trash talker who people were had very strong opinions of that left the league last year. And so having oh, him and oh, others we're like that. Oh, we're talking about Bjergsen, right? Yes, yes, Bjergsen. Well, no, no, uh, no, no, trash sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, look, it's it's the AD carry, right? It's Apollo, right? Yes, yes, Apollo, very, very opinionated man. Yes, you're yeah. right, you're right. That okay. man. Jazuke, uh, uh, <laughs> why didn't you pick Rise in game five? That's the, the real question that, that I, I got to know. Yeah, uh, let us let us know, Jazuke. Mark would love to funny know. You he, mentioned he said throw the, fire at me. So It's yeah, funny you mentioned the trash talk because uh, we actually did a pre-show that dropped two hours before um, our LCS match. A lot of people would have missed it. It was premiered live. Um, and there's some really fucking spicy banter in that uh, pre-show. Like, if we had lost, there would have been a lot of, like, feedback on some of them. I actually don't know if it made the final cut, but some of the... The trash, especially one comment from Abadago was like the most fire thing I've heard in a while. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just say it anyway. It was basically Abadago is like, I was kind of like, hey, do you have any last words for Jazuke? Because like you know your rivalry with him has played out in public. So like, what's the final word going into the series today? And it's basically like I want to beat him up so hard that he has to retire to the Italian Regional League. Oh and God! I was like, Holy shit! Jesus Christ! That's pretty fucking fire banter, but. Uh, it was really good to see. I, I think a lot of people caught at them like fist bumping after the series. Like, there's obviously yeah. no hard feelings there, but in competition, like why not fire yourself and your teammates up, right? That yeah. you're gonna take them on one v one. I think it is very, very unlikely, and I know some people will maybe get angry at me because this, there would obviously be some implications on who's not going to Worlds from this. But I, I would love to see a rematch of Hundred T E G in the finals, just because I feel like the spice would be so much fun. It'd be really cool to see history made where we don't have uh, one of the big three in the finals. I, I think that that would be really fun. I think it's it's there's going to be have to be a lot to have have occurred that way. And TL certainly looks really good, uh, but that would be super fun to watch. Speaking of TL, I was going to ask you guys. Um, oh, uh, Jazuke typing in the chat, but I don't think he's answered your question yet, Mark. Um, speaking of that, I was going to ask you guys what you think of the team liquid match as well i mean mark i know you kind of said it was a little one-sided they just look so superior but what do you think of team liquid after having watched that watch that match mark 
Oh, um, I think that it was a pretty clear, like uh, I said this a little bit on the dive. And, I mean, we just finished that, but it felt like TSM kind of got picked apart more than they got shit on, which in some ways is almost like just as bad, but a different style of it. Um, where like they didn't get run over in the early game, like against the C9 series, TL had like sub 30 minute games. They had 8k gold leads sometimes at like 15 minutes, you know, it was fucking nuts. But then this series, there was a lot of like close games heading into 20 minutes. And a lot of the times TL was just better about objective setups or played a team fight better or something and just kind of like broke their back through better team play. And that to me, it's like a different way to lose, but equally as damning, it's just like, oh, we got straight ran over uh, in some senses. How about you, Papa Smoothie? I think I was surprised. I mean, in practice, I think both teams looked pretty good. Um, a lot of competitive games between us and those two teams. Like, I thought both of them looked good. I thought TSM was ramping up, at least based on our practice. But they they were pretty, like, downloaded, it felt like. like. It felt like TL knew exactly what to expect and exploited them for it. And I think that plays into the narrative of, you know, TL having a pretty defined style and you know, you see PoE playing Azir a bit against meta and things like that. So I think there's a lot of confirmation bias now of like, oh, could have been expected, things like that. Um, so I just, I guess I wonder how TSM will reflect on it because I don't know what their takeaways will be because I don't think they're going to drastically reinvent themselves because I think some of their pieces just aren't likely to do that. So how they improve from here is, I think they're going to have to be an even more polished version of what they showed. And I think that's that's hard to run what is now a pretty long gauntlet for them to kind of reach the sort of result they were shooting for. Like, I think we're like losing in the conversation that kind of the very public expectation was um, EGC9 TSM, right? And now only one of those three teams can make worlds, which is kind of insane that that's the lower bracket. Like. Only one team gets it out. No, that's a really, really good point because it was. I think it started to develop differently. Although, uh, Mark, I'm curious, how much did the dive guys give you flack for? Because I know they predicted TL, and last week you're like, everybody's hopping on this TL hype train, and I had predicted TL, and then TL just runs over TSM. So I, I don't know if you, you, they gave you some no, flack they or they let you. They off. didn't. Uh, they didn't razz me at all. I was actually the one to bring it up when we were talking about the predictions about. 100 Thieves versus TL. Um, and as Papa said, don't lie to his face. A lot of us are on that TL hype train now after what they did to TSM. Um, so uh, they didn't shit on me for it. I, I made fun of myself a little bit for dismissing their win over C9. And now I'm, now I'm on the hype train. I think I'm, I need to double check, but it's funny because I know I predicted TL over C9 on Rift Reaction with Emily. And then, and she had predicted C9, and then I think she might have predicted TSM last week as well. And so I'm feeling pretty good. I was like, after seeing how how much space uh, and how much growth TL was making, I was I was pretty confident in them. So I, I'm always it's always nice whenever I idiot Travis Gafford get the prediction right over the brilliant analysts of Mark Zimmerman, Emily Rand, and others. Uh, I. I think one thing that was interesting to me, kind of going back to what Papa Smithy was saying, of it seemed like, you know, TSM had just sort of been, TL had just downloaded TSM or whatever. Alfari, in that interview with me the week before, was like, yeah, you know, much like C9, TSM's so predictable, I feel like we'll just be able to take them. It'll be like a 3-1. And then, of course, it becomes a 3-1, and 
as you guys both mentioned, it was it was pretty one sided. So I know we could go on and on for all this stuff, um, but I know this is a call in show, so perhaps we should get to callers. Yeah, maybe we should. Mark, do, Mark, do you want to explain how the show works? I know you've probably already pulled. I already pulled, pulled a bunch people, of people, but... and it's kind of popping, but I'll do it anyways. Sure. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, it's a live call-in show, which means you, mouth breather and Twitch chat, can join us. All you have to do is go to this Discord link. Go ahead, join up, join the pleb calls or pleb calls to voice channels once you get there. Uh, mute your microphone so we can't hear that mouth breathing. And then in the pleb topics text channel up above, that's where you're going to put your take, whatever it is that you want to come on air and ask Papa Smithy about. Um, uh, you know, if I like your take, I will pull you into the waiting room where you will hang out and wait until it's your turn to come on air. I'll do a quick audio check to make sure you sound good, and then you'll be here talking with Papa. Hippo Squirrel says, I have a deviated septum, you jerk. So thanks, Mark. Thanks for making fun of I was of talking people. about everyone but you. Oh, okay. Everybody but Hippo Squirrel. Yeah, if you have a, a deviated septum, it's fine. Uh, all right. Thank you, uh, by the way, for everyone who subs to the channel. I uh, really appreciate it. And you can uh, get access to the subtopics channel if uh, if you would like to put your take there. It moves a little slower and gives you a bit of a better chance of getting on the show. Uh, Mark, do you want to go pull our first caller? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, by the way, to some of our subs. Thank you to uh, Max Drixton, Gaming for the Weekend, So Many Things. Simon Haya, Max, oh, sorry, O Jared, Gold Leader 78, Perchy 99, Skip Natty, Poro on Mars, Flick Nickum, uh, Purple Ray Q, Mr. Cheese, and looks like our first caller is here, Trethan. How's it going, Trethan? Uh, good. How are you? Pretty good. Where are you calling from? Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks. Um, I moved from Queens. I'm now in Jersey City, New Jersey. So nice. Ooh, a bit of a raw topic for me because I was hoping we would be in New Jersey, but uh, not today. I'm, I, I also was, but I really just wanted you guys to try Taylor ham, egg and cheese sandwiches because Taylor ham is the best part about New Jersey and the pizza. But next time, next time, got, next time, next time. Um, okay. So my take is, uh, 100 thieves qualifying for worlds could doom the future of the import rule in the LCS mm. because, because they are the first team since the import rule was created without any North American players, um, that are like from North America. Uh, some teams could use this as a reason to get rid of the rule. Um, to preface this, I, I don't think a hundred thieves would be like that team to be like, Hey, we need to get rid of it just because of the everything that they just kind of use to like prop up North American players from 100 T next and their academy team. I just think a lot of people can see this and then, you know, kind of open that floodgate a little bit further. Oh boy. Okay. I'll also <laughs> say that this was, this was a spicy, there was a couple import takes, mostly yeah. a centered around 100 thieves, some more incendiary, some being like, see, who cares? So. The, the first team since LMQ, I think, to go to Worlds from North America is a, a full import roster. Correct. Uh, okay. Well, do you uh, do you want to take this first, Papa Spissy, or do you want us sure, to? Sure, sure. I mean, I think a lot of the this take is, it's the causality thing. And I think, you know, you've yeah. obviously talked about the import rule a lot, Travis, and your queries about it. And I think it's a lot about the soul of the rule that I think a lot of people hold on to is like, 
a lot of people are, ho are holding on to this idea of like it will be removed and then five players I have no attachment to are going to go to worlds from North America and can we really call that North America? Like, that's the kind of that's the kind of like worst case scenario for people who are really invested in the North American scene. Um, and I feel like that doesn't fit the team we have at all. Like you look at the players we have and most of them are very, very long standing in North America. You look at especially, you know, who he someday have been there a really long time. And I don't think people look at them as someone who jumped over to North America recently and, and like are this example of the the import rule roaring or anything like that. I mean, the oceanic rule change surprised us all a year ago and has led, I think, overall to a lot of um, rosters that are stronger as a result. I think even the development rosters with oceanic players would be a lot weaker if the oceanic player rule wasn't there um, at the bottom of the, the ladder. So I think I understand this idea of like, just because we technically do not have any players born in North America, therefore the import rule should be removed. I can get that as a take. It's very far away from, from how I think. Like for me, it was just, hey, how the hell do we go to Worlds and who are the best players to do it? And whichever ones tick the resident column and whichever ones tick the import column, it's the best collection of those five. But it's the it's this idea of it being used as a gateway drug or something to full import role, like definitely super far away from my mind, but will somebody try to weaponize it? Like who am I to say, right? Like anything can be taken out of context. I mean, so I, I agree that the hundred T team of four or five non North American players is an unfortunate circumstance. I'm happy that the team is going um, and I like all the players on it, but I agree that like it's it's an unfortunate, uh, it, it is not like a, a great rallying call for North America talent. On the other hand, I look at the way this year has gone and in my opinion, there is more evidence than ever for teams needing to invest in North American talent and the benefits of doing so and the downsides of over indexing on incredibly expensive international talent. I mean, there is uh, at least one of perks and or sword art will not be going to worlds this year. And there's a chance, a decent chance that neither of them will go despite the fanfare around how much was spent on those players. We also saw, a highlight real historic moment from Danny this year or this this match this past week uh who's a 17 year old player who was brought up uh immediately from it uh, I I received some flame on the double lift coast stream for tweeting like hey this is evidence that people should invest into North American talent uh and double lift's quote I think on that was like for every Danny there's like a hundred Niles but I I think one okay that's fine there's no sign to me that there's no that niles will never return to the lcs a better player than he is i also don't think that it's like we were wasting time by having niles compete on golden guardians in the first split of this year it's golden guardians their development roster this year so i think it's fine and 
I I just don't see like we've we've had other players like Tactical that have popped up recently, and so in the in the past year plus, and so I think but it's that not there's... enough. It's not, but it's not enough, Travis. And I think the people who think that are correct. Like I do think that in the last three to four years, North American talent have not been given enough resources and opportunities in order to become what are now the Tacticals and the Dannys who are looking good here. And I did an interview about. Kenvi and, and our, our development side of our org. And it's it's one of those things where I think orgs this year have done a lot of good investment into amateur. You, of course, Evil Genius is one of the big examples and ourselves last year. And I think we started a, a movement that a lot of people are also capitalizing on. And I think if you're patient and you give it another two years, the fruits of that will pay off. And there will be North American talent that has been nurtured in the way that they need to be that are proliferating through the league. It's just, if you decide you have to have it now, you know, the GMs of three years ago didn't put it as a priority. They put other things as a priority. And thus we don't have the rewards of that to show. So I think there is kind of this like dearth at the moment. It's kind of like, um, you know, people were League of Legends players and they took a year off to play Fortnite or something. It's kind of the same right now where the young talent hasn't been developed and isn't showing up in the numbers people would like in the most competitive rosters especially but i very very much am certain that in two years time those ratios will change yeah i mean it's one of the reasons why i i agree completely and quite frankly it is one of the reasons why i would love to see eg make worlds even though i'm, I'm bummed at what th that would cost us in terms of some of our other major brands in the space because i do think danny going would be great and i like people, like the the issue I have with sort of the response on the the co stream this past weekend is like, it is not, like it is a false dichotomy to say you can either have imports or you can invest in North American talent. I think you can do both, and I think it's incredibly important for us to do both. But I don't to your to your point exactly. I don't think that we've done enough over the years, and maybe this is the first year where it feels like we're starting to see the fruits of it because we really are doing a lot more this year. Certain t certain teams are for sure. And so I am particularly hopeful that we will see more of this. And I am hopeful, quite frankly, that we see less of the like outrageous spending on import players because I don't, I am not a team owner, but I do not think that the league can sustain like the, the salary costs that they are at right now for a lot of the major teams. And I think a great way to handle that is to spend minimal money in academy and in amateur trying to find the next great players who you can bring over and can be long-standing icons of the league and develop into hometown heroes rather than bringing players over here and crossing your fingers that they are not past their prime and that you'll be able to get many years out of them. You know, I will I think, caveat yeah. it a little bit because I think you have a lot of hopium and I think that's good. I think sipping the hopium right now is a good thing, but I will say that I don't think that the seventh team to put up an amateur team is going to find their Dannys or, or for us, uh, Kenby's and Tenacities. Like I think that there were some slam dunk players that had nowhere to go because they were still in high school and couldn't commit to full-time academy and LCS. And I think those players existed before and were underserved. Um, I think the amount of those in North America with the size of the player base 
and the lack of engagement with League of Legends among kind of like young people means that there are less like immediate results like why wasn't this guy at the top already so i think that actually the people coming in very late to kind of like an amateur program should really focus on kind of grassroots even lower like kind of like i see eg doing a lot of stuff about you know encouraging people to take up league of legends or or get into it like i think that's actually an even longer term push but it's going to be one that's needed because you kind of have to strike at the right time based on what the the setting is and i don't think there's 30 dannys out there like there might be 30 dannys in korea there might be 30 dannys in europe but i think in north america that doesn't exist and so i'm just worried that like all 10 teams with an amateur team does that mean that we're going to get 10 players at the t power level of danny I, I don't think so so that's why i don't want to have that false promise right yeah. it doesn't mean don't do it it means just like with importing like we saw a need for our mid lane position we, t we bought an Abadaga, it cost a lot of money, but we really vetted all our options and really tried over time to, to make sure that was the right fit for us. I think the same is true with getting into amateurs. How are you getting in? And it, don't just be like, oh, I'm going to get a cheap Danny. I'm going to get a cheap AD carry and he's going to be great. It's not that simple either. Well, so I, I hear you on that. I think one thing I would like to see go along with this change in philosophy is also people laying the fuck off the players that people bring in to try and uh, on these development teams in the LCS. Like it is frustrating to me that players like Chime and others get so much shit on co-streams or from critics or whatever. I understand, like I understand being disappointed in their play, but like, I, I don't know if Chime will be on the team next year, but it's okay that they gave him a try because, like, you try out Chime, you try out a Blaze Olive, you try out Niles, and, like, a Blaze Olive worked out. Cool. Like, he seemed like he's a player that I think a lot of folks think was really good, and you could see how well he progressed over the year. And so I, I think having, like... It, People cannot predict with 100% certainty who's going to be the next to blaze Olive and then pull five of those players up. You have to have these teams at the bottom that are taking the risks to sort of figure out like who's going to go through the filter and who isn't. Um, and I and I am sometimes frustrated by this the idea of like, well, just we shouldn't ever... You know, in a world where people were worried about having a chime on your team, then you're probably less likely to make the the bet on like an ablaze olive and then you're way more likely to do what clg did for instance which was just pull out of like veterans who'd all kind of had middling results for the past couple of years and then completely underperform so i don't know um but i am i am i i agree that's unlikely we're going to find 30 dannys i'd love to find five and i feel like there's a chance that you could do something like that next year i don't know and i think 30 dannys can exist like players of that quality but it's what time frame are we talking about? And esports is always like a one-year plan, you know? Like even trying to push it to two and three years, people start to kind of wonder, lose engagement. You understand why it's been recycled players and things is because, you know, until this year, it was 10 teams trying to go to Worlds, three of them managed to do it. Yeah. Whereas we have had this idea of development roster. So even if a non-engaged fan or or someone who has a very specific idea of why they watch League of Legends watches and they're like, 
why am I watching this? You know, like this player is not of the standard I want to see. You kind of have to train them over time to be like, this is a team that's got a different plan than trying to make worlds adjust your expectations or turn off. And obviously the or turn off part is the part that in esports with how important viewership numbers are over every other metric, people get really scared to like appreciate the fact that some people don't want to watch that, you know, yeah. not many people watch Academy. And if, if teams saying, Hey, I'm not trying to win now, is it really for me to judge if that somebody like decides they don't want to watch that as a result? Like I completely understand that take. Yeah, no, it's fair. What Mark, I know you've been kind of quiet on this. I don't know if you have thoughts. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts, oh. um, but I'll keep them pretty limited to the last thing that you guys talked about, about viewership, um, because I think that's ultimately what Trethan and a lot of the fans are more concerned about than the talent development pipeline that yeah. um, you guys went deep into. I think from my understanding of Trethan's take, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's that a lot of people want to see, um, you know, have a connection to these players. And I understand the pipeline is a part of that. Um, and you obviously can't have a connection to players if you're not developing them and whatnot. But I think a lot of people look at the 100 Thieves roster and like, is there enough of a connection to a lot of these players? For me, I can only speak for myself. I feel like yes, in terms of who he's been here f fucking forever. Uh, he's role swapped here. Um, someday has been around a pretty long time now as well. Like, you know, I, I would have to double check, but I think the majority of his career is in North America. Um, and then, you know, closer in, um, FBI, Abadaga, I was going to say, actually, are the oh. two that I can see a little bit more being imported more recently within the last few years, FBI as well. But just given that he's Osh and they've been like amalgamated entirely into us, like it feels like not import, uh, cause technically he's not. So at least for me, I, I, f I don't feel bad about hundred thieves going and feeling like they're not a North American team. Uh, I mean and I'm obviously super biased because I, I worked with all these players. I, I hired a lot of them and it's like, I think all of them have a super compelling story that will connect with NA viewers. I mean, even someday, right? Who I understand people pushing back on him because he was such a legend in Korea and came over as, you know, a massive star. Like, I think he's the, his level in, in terms of like um, where he ranked in terms of world players when he came to North America, like he was a top three top player in the world when he came to North America. North America doesn't get players of that quality in 2021, but in 2017, that was something that could happen. But also as a counterpoint, he's the only player still on the same roster from the first day of franchising. So he stuck around 400 Thieves huge hot start into massive fall from grace into building up again sold all the way through if you're a you know how many viewers are still around from 2018 spring like a lot of viewers join after that fact he predates that on a single team that he actually stood through the good times and the bad times with like if that's not a relatable story then i don't know right and i think that's that's the sort of thing that's lost is there's lots of nuanced stories here where if he's not a North American player at this point, then yes, we have the whole citizenship test, but he's very much committed himself to a region, knocked back offers to go over, overseas, especially over the years and, and stuck around because he does believe in North America and the team. So it's those things that are lost and it's you know our job and the, the broadcast job to, to tell those stories better. I, I think the, the, my... No, you actually go, because I'll, I'll bounce no matter what. Um, I, I think like my whole fear uh, was, and I know that actually to 
to what you're saying, Papa, you actually, when I was concerned on the 100 Thieves Discord, you even mentioned how committed the players were are uh, in response to something I said that was along similar lines to this a while ago saying they were all committed. But my, my fear about uh, 100 Thieves going to Worlds mainly was, again, I feel like some people are going to run with this in in the wrong direction, right? And be like, do you see this team? Like, this is why we don't need this rule. And, I, and I'm not, like, questioning their commitment, right? Because you're 100% right about Someday, like, and that's a great story that I definitely care about. Like, if Someday, let's say, wins Worlds, that would be amazing on top of how cool the 100 Thieves World skins would probably look <laughs> compared to all the other schemes. I feel like that one would look really cool, um, but that's besides the point. I, I think I'm just scared, like, certain owners and certain orgs I'm not saying 100 Thieves is going to do this because I don't think they are, are just going to take this in the completely wrong direction and almost use it as a weird, like, oh, look at this. Like, 100 Thieves did it, so we should just kill this off entirely and just, you know, put in talent, put in talent, like, invest in foreign talent and just, like, kill off all local. I, I think uh, to that point, if you just say, like, look, there's no North American-born players on 100 Thieves, Therefore, fuck the import rule, it doesn't matter. You lose so much of the nuance of how those players got there and to Papa Smithy's point, like how long they've been there. Um, the fact that Someday is the only franchise player in the league right now, you could argue, in terms of like tenure, no one else really qualifies, is not something that's been discussed on the broadcast and to Papa Smithy's last point, which is what I was gonna say, is like something that needs to be hit on probably more <laughs> um, on our end is like, hey, this is like, the longest tenure player. He's someone who is North America. Like he is a player who's been around for fucking ever, um, or re you know, relatively to the turnover that you see in the rest of the league. Like I think these are things that we should hit better, so that there is more of a connection with fans to these people who, yes, technically are grandfathered in now or you know, residents now, but um, they earned that spot rather than we just got rid of the import rule and they they flocked over. And I think the OS players, you know, they get a, they get cast a certain way too. And, and to some degree, I understand that. Because I think to uh, people on the outside, they appear like, you know, mercenaries or cheap solutions to a problem of resident players. But the reality I, I can tell you guys is that with minor region players, whether it's, you know, Turkish players or Oceanic players, obviously we have both, is that like where they came from and their road to become a North American resident player is a really tough road coming from a really tiny scene that's not engaged and having to, you know, earn their right to come to North America. Like they like kiss their you know, feet, they, like, they, they count their blessings um, to make it to a developed scene like this and be able to compete on a higher level. Like this is their dream. Like North America's the end point. It's like the, the, the dream goal of what they could make out of their career rather than a, a stepping stone or something cynical. And it's really good to have a team of players who wouldn't rather be anywhere but where they are right now. And I think that's the part that I feel being around them, but it's not necessarily easy for people on the outside to see like that these guys are just super happy to be here and want to make the most of it and want to represent North America well. Hey, thanks so much, Trethan, for the call. Uh, no appreciate it. I, I, I... I'm not sure I share your worry too much, but I do I do know that I guess I would say it's difficult for me to imagine a world where like 
Jack and Andy, for instance, especially if neither of them make it to Worlds this year, can go and say, no, we really need to lift the import rule because they've spent the most money on imports, I think, this year, potentially. So, uh, But, Trethan, anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Uh, no, no, thank you. I was actually a little nervous to ask this uh, hot take because I was like, I don't know how it was going to be interpreted, but this was a really great informative discussion. So thank you so much, and shout out to my 100 Thieves uh, cash card that I got. <laughs> so shout very out nice, to that. Very nice, very nice. Very good. Yes, um, have a great one, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, we're going to take a quick break to talk about Alienware. Mark, I don't know how comfortable you feel with this. I should have asked you before, but you uh, you received the Alienware X17. You've only had, I think, a couple days with it so far, but is there anything you've been enjoying about it in particular? It's better than my old Alienware laptop, which was also good. Um, well, so I one thing I... I know is there's the new keyboard on it, uh, so I don't know how you've been enjoying that. I like it. So it, I got a custom option to get the, uh, I think I got cherry switches on it, but you know, like a mechanical keyboard. Yeah. Um, it's funny because initially I got it and I was like, sick, this will be better for gaming and like MMOs and stuff, which is what I mostly do. But then it, sometimes I bring it into, to like a Ashley's falling asleep and I'll still be on my computer at bed. And I haven't run into this problem yet, but I feel like I'm going to get kicked out of bed a lot faster with the clacking from it. But that's my mistake because otherwise the, the keys feel great. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm glad. I assume it's much uh, thinner and lighter than than what you had previously, because you had one of the the older Alienware 17 models, and so I know. I don't want to talk bad about their old product line, uh, but that was a beefy. It was a it was, well, a, it was a different desktop. time. Yeah, because I think we got you that one back in 2018, and that was before they they had their M17 and now their X17s, uh, which are much lighter, and so gaming. Uh, for a lot of people, they might not know if you haven't ha tried a gaming laptop or notebook in the past couple of years, these things have gotten to a point where you can have uh, an amazing system with a lot of power that also is not as thick as a Brandon Sanderson novel. Um, and so it's it's really cool to see. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Uh, it's really cool to see what they're doing over there. So do yourself a favor. Go to Alienware.com slash Travis and check out their X15 and X17 notebooks if you want to uh you know a lot of people talk about gaming on the same thing that the pros game on no player mmos and type on clacky keys like mark zimmerman does get kicked out of your bed with your girlfriend by mashing your combo too hard in an mmo <laughs> that you can only do with the laptop from Alienware. yes exactly exactly alienware.com says travis use the code in the uh youtube link if you're over on youtube and i'll make sure that i uh make sure oh you know what i need to add it into um into the the macro for Twitch right now, but I will I will do that uh, so that people can use that code. But anyway, thank you so much, Alienware, for sponsoring the show. Uh, Steve is in the chat right now. He says, "I agree. Go buy a fucking Alienware and support Travis." That's a man, by the way, who has a team that has their own code that you could use, and he's telling you to support me by using my code. So just make sure you think about that uh, whenever you're going to the Alienware website. Use Travis's code, not the Team Liquid one. Thank you, Steve, for your support. Always appreciate it. Also, shout out to Clockcruncher, who just dropped 10 subs in the channel. Uh, so it's thank you. a funny joke, and Clockcruncher basically purged the chat with that. <laughs> blocking you, blocking you. Uh <laughs> anyway, uh, Mark, you want to go grab our next caller? 
Yeah. Very good. Thank you again to Clock Cruncher for the 10 gifted subs. Raldios for 19 uh, Clock Cruncher for his own. Cesis Caroline, old slice of bologna. Bologna? Bologna, thank you. Gengarifith, uh, Ari Waddle for 37 months. David Senju, Chief Xandipus, uh D9 for the gifted subs. Uh, cheesecake, Waffle Boy, Sandran, Mr. Cheese. I think that's everybody. Purple Reiki, believe I believe I got him. Probably got some people twice. Uh, Mark is running off to grab the next caller right now, and it's been fun, by the way, to see how many people. I don't know if it's Papa Smithy or playoffs. Probably a combination of both. That's bringing so many of our wonderful esports figures into the chat right now. Love to see all the community showing up for this. Hollowed Horizon is here. Hollowed Horizon, welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? Uh, hey guys, how are we doing? I'm uh, I'm calling from Houston. Houston. All right. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I want to talk about Worlds. I, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. No, no, one. no. Worlds sounds good, man. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, for you guys, it's got to sound pretty good because y'all are locked in along with TL. I'm, I'm sure you guys are very excited for that. Congratulations, by the way. Um, so my take is pretty hot. I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this one, um, and I apologize in advance because you guys are going to get put a little bit on the spot with this one. Um, but it's that 100 Thieves are – or sorry, not the 100 Thieves take. I'm sorry, this is the World's take. Um, North America is pretty well set up to be a major contender at Worlds this year. Um, I think with TL being locked in, with 100 Thieves being locked in, and with the remaining teams in the lower bracket, I mean, you've got EG, you've got TSM, you've got Cloud9. Uh, my condolences to Immortals for being stuck in that bracket. They are very doomed. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty good lineup of teams going to Worlds this year. I mean, 100 Thieves, you mean, you know, Poppy, you guys have been on fire. TL look freaky, uh, very scary. Um, I mean, and then you've got EG, who, you know, took you guys to five games. I mean, they could perceivably get third place. And then you've got Cloud9 who are trying. I mean, it's, 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 it's looking pretty good. And if they keep the same form, if they, uh, if they keep playing like they are and, and stay motivated and, and stay thirsty, I think we're going to be pretty good going into Worlds this year. Mark, what have you done? We weren't. We're supposed to. It's, there's an, uh, an unspoken rule. Up, motherfucker. There's an unspoken <laughs> rule. I saw Dash break it this weekend whenever he interviewed I think it was Alfar or somebody like that asking about worlds but we're not supposed to talk about worlds or have any positivity around worlds come on <laughs> come on all right is North America a major contender for worlds this year let's let's narrow in on major contender not to necessarily mean like to win the whole thing but like you yeah. know are, are we going to be getting out of groups are we going to finally have a good performance moves? <laughs> yeah yeah you know like you know be respectable yeah yeah uh okay well here's my thing uh as i've been watching playoffs i i've been trying not to think about worlds because it's been pretty brutal recently and it, it is like incredibly brutal when you're like me and you're staying up all night playing Genshin Impact with Mark Z and then just watching the NA teams get brutalized and then going to bed as the sun comes up and uh or or being in a hot tub and just soaking and turning into a raisin as you Oh god it. yeah. <laughs> um but as I have been trying to keep my mental state uh without any hopium in it, I will say it has been very difficult during playoffs because I do think, you know, EG and 100T are 
far more interesting teams than I feel like we've had uh, outside of the big three for some time. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that TL seems to have, I mean, they look wildly different uh, than they have previously. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how they can do. And then, yeah, I think whatever comes out of the, I don't know what the, the forge that is the lower bracket right now of those three teams plus IMT. I think that that team will probably look pretty impressive. Well, or as well. So I am, I am believing much more than I should <laughs> and much more than I want to, uh, for, for worlds since apparently we're having that conversation now, Mark. Um, so this has actually been talked about by the broadcast team as well, like behind the scenes. Like, are we are we all starting to huff a little bit of hopium, like with the Danny play, and Hundred Thieves looking good, and all this stuff, and TL looking better in playoffs? Uh, there are people who are more hopiumed up than me. I um, I went from 100% dead inside to like maybe we won't embarrass ourselves. Um, that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I was worried towards the end of the split where we talk about the Hundred Thieves maybe being a little bit of slump. TL and C9 being a shell of what they should be based off what we saw in spring. And then TSM and EG, you know, like it looked like it was going to be TSM, EG, and 100 Thieves for sure. Um, and I mean, I, I, I maybe some play style issues for me personally with how TSM approaches the game. Uh, so I was pretty skeptical. Now I'm like, okay, I don't hate the teams for sending, but I, I'm still so fucking jaded that no. No hopium here. <laughs> Papa Smithy, are you going to be more optimistic here? You've got a team going. I think there's a lot of reactions I have to this question. I think this is the sort of week where if I was watching Hotline League, I'd expect this take to come in. Because what I can say pretty undeniably is, and I think even Mark, you know, jaded old man that he is, will agree that, and I think this is what you're getting to, Travis, is like there's five teams in playoffs that you see their two names together and you're like, fuck, this is going to be a great best of five. You know, like you think about the five teams and it's not, and I think Immortals are actually a really strong team with a strong style that I think can also upset on their day. But if we just narrow in on the other five teams, they really are teams that you want to watch in a best of five against each other. And to your point, I think there's been three teams in the past, four maybe, you know, in spring, when we started to struggle, people would argue it narrowed down to three and maybe even two, given TSM struggle at the end. But I think there is five teams people want to see in a best of five play each other. And that, on its own, is significant. Like, that's good for the LCS, that there's five teams people want to see face off against each other in the best of five. Five teams that could go to Worlds, and it's not even like, hey, CLG's going to do it this time. They were ninth, but now they're going to be first. Like, it's, there's, five, there's five teams you can make that argument on. That's already regionally really good. Now, how does that translate to Worlds? I assume it's still going to be a super uphill battle. I assume it's still going to be super hard. So what I'm saying is, is I think the hopium is warranted, but I actually feel like when I watch Korea, I actually feel like it's like the reverse situation where you watch it and you're like, oh man, we're we're screwed at Worlds. Like I think you actually come away negative in Korea because a lot of the teams look pretty poor and still have major flaws going right into the end of the season. And yet, will Korea perform better than North America at Worlds? Almost certainly. That's just been the way it's been for the longest time. However, we should also appreciate the fact that the regional competition 
and teams actually pushing each other for worlds till the last possible minute is a banger in and of its own right. And if it actually turns into world's performance, then it's like we saw something coming that was cool and then it actually proves itself, then it might actually be the relaunch of the actual NA Hopium. So I'm just happy this guy called in because I think you should feel good about watching the LCS right now. I know I do. I do. Can I, if I can, I kind of want to quantify that statement a little bit better just to, to so that it doesn't seem like coming out of left field. Um, it's, am I okay to do that or no? Go for Go it. Ahead. Go for it. Um, it's, it's a lot of this mentality of sh iron sharpeneth iron, right? So the biggest thing that we've talked about is kind of the format of the way that the LCS has played, right? Where we play fewer games, we play best of ones, you know, there's always that, you know, that year round debate where it's like, oh, we should do best of threes or, you know, we should, you know, have more games and stuff like that. I think that the format this we year- We should do with, best with, of twos like Academy. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, fucking kill me. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the, trip, the triple round Robin, I think at the end of this, both with, we had the, 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 uh, the, the beginning of the, the split, I forgot what we called it, the, the, you know, the, the intro okay. tournament and then we had spring split and then, you know, of course we had MSI and then we have the summer split with a trip around Robin. We're playing more games. So, you know, you talked about Papa Smithy that run up two worlds, right? Where we're playing more games and we're trying to keep this consistency going in. I think that's something that North America has done. So I think that's kind of the first point I want to make is that ironing sharpeneth iron where, you know, we're playing more games and we're staying competitive right until that very last second. The other thing I want to talk about and that no one has really mentioned yet is the read that North America has on the meta right now. You mentioned a minute ago, you talked about if you're looking at the, you know, the LCK, you're not tremendously impressed by what you're seeing. You know, um, you know you've got down one and Gen G up there. They look okay, not consistent. Um, and then, you know, the LPL, you know, where's RNG? You know, where are these top contenders that were from the spring split? You know, they're not there. Why? Because they're, they're struggling to get an accurate read of what is strong right now. And unironically, I think that North America has actually gotten ahead of the ball and figured it out, at least right now, going into Worlds, which I think is, is a first. Um, so that's the second point I wanted to make. And then the third thing that I want to quantify um, with this, which is, is more important, which is that you talked about having hope for, for this season, which I think is important. And it's, it does feel difficult because we always feel a little bit more jaded. Um, especially when we get ready to go like into worlds, but I feel like this one, when we actually see the consistent performances, we do feel like you know yeah, there is let, a little bit more. Let's earn high expectation in our LCS teams against yeah. our LCS teams. I don't think that's a given. I think that had to be re-earned after every poor international performance. But let's earn that, and I feel like we're getting there with five teams we're putting banger series up in. And then let's you know we don't have to jump to like oh now we're going to be relevant at worlds. Like maybe that isn't the first step, but. I think we're getting closer to it, and I think we're working on it. And I think a lot of teams took hard looks on themselves and have tried to improve, some failing miserably, some making more success doing it. And I think we're, we're, we've got a process going on here. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't lead to like two teams getting out of groups, I hope people don't just shit all over it because they're being results orientated. And that's, that's where I align too, is as much as I just shit on like our international dreams or whatever i feel like the lcs is so fucking fun to watch right now because going to playoffs i had no clue what was going to happen i didn't know you know who was going to win who's going to go in finals i still don't know that after watching a bunch of best of fives like i have a feeling that i know what's going to happen but like fuck maybe c9 turns it on in the lower bra lower bracket maybe tsm turns it on in the lower bracket maybe eg turns it on in the lower bracket and they like run the whole gauntlet backwards again you know like it still feels I mean, we watched Game of Thrones. We know what shades of gray are at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Can't we just say that NA is looking good for NA, and that makes me excited to watch it. Korea is looking yeah. weak for Korea, and yet Korea almost certainly would do better at Worlds. Like, can that all exist in the same world and not have somebody upset? 
You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing I'm trying to put across there is there's a lot happening here, and it's not just world's performance that's the bar for success or fail. I am I am very interested to see how LCS matches up against LEC at Worlds because Ooh. I think they've had a very similar situation to us where they've had five teams that have all seemed fairly competitive and like some of their old guard don't look as as strong. I mean, we've got Fnatic and G2 who are in a similar position right now as, as C9 and TSM. And so not not to I'm not trying to like spark uh, the rivalry and you know have a bunch of LEC folks come in and, and scream but I I think at the very least like that could be a fun area for North America to play in during worlds like I I I think we're all kind of hovering around the same kind of idea which is like North North America could be interesting at worlds this year right so they, we could do interesting things it's not necessarily going to be a situation where we're going to go win worlds, but could we have some pretty interesting impacts in the group stage? Could we make upset some people? Could we maybe, maybe get a, a team out? You know, like I think if I am looking forward to seeing what we can do at worlds, even if I am also doing my best to try to tamper the, the natural rise of hopium that is in my bloodstream right now. And I think that is something that should sit with people is that we're all kind of esports boomers and jaded at this point, all three of us about many different things in this industry. But I think if I compare like the thought after all teams went out of groups a year ago and now, I think everyone would agree that North American League of Legends seems in a much better spot. And there's been a lot of improvement and reactions to systemic problems that existed a year ago. And we want to believe again. And I think that's started to go away. Like from about 2019 onwards, people stopped wanting to believe in North America. They kind of wanted to jump in and shit on North America to get in first because that's what's going to get upvoted. And I think we've had a year to build up hope that it can continue to get better. And yet we're also grounded to not be like, like if North America gets a lot better than where it was and Korea gets weaker than where it was, North America is still weaker than Korea. And that's fine. But at least we're trending in the right direction. Yeah. By the way, while we've been having this conversation, Tactical was in chat earlier saying, I am the hope or something along those lines for Worlds. But then then he later on said that that was actually CoreJJ saying that. And then Steve has shown up in chat with some interesting words. He says, uh, not all five teams are Worlds worthy. He says, we are the only team capable of winning Worlds from North America, no cap, but I hope they do okay too. Um, which is interesting. Because we're still waiting on TL to show that they are going to win North America, so I it's it's bold words. Uh, Papa Smithy, what do you say to the idea that Team Liquid is the only team from North America capable of winning Worlds? I say that Steve's a great salesman. He should keep to selling. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, yeah. Tactical says Daniel Danny single handedly boosted NA in 2021. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Danny earlier, but I'm there. There's a lot of really exciting things that are happening in North America right now, which is why I'm a little disappointed that like a lot of the summer, I think we had some of our our worst viewership because I I'm sad for the people that are missing out on what is I think some of the one of the most exciting splits I've ever experienced and watched, especially in the I, second half. Mark, I, I feel like the viewership was better as well for the TL TSM. I mean, I know yeah, yeah, TL, we TSM, had some good but... playoffs viewership for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, Hollowed Horizon, thank you for the call. And uh, no thank you for the hopium that you're continuing to inject into me. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller? Well, uh, I won't be accused of not taking my shot, so I'll, I'll do it here. I appreciate you guys having me on the call. It means a lot. I'm just glad I got to get the question out there. I um, want to shout out uh, my channel, Primetime Esports. Um, you've been an inspiration. I've been, been doing a lot, looking at a lot of the content you've made for years. Um, and, you know, one day hope to do what you do. So trying to do stuff similar on my channel, but um, obviously, you know, you're the OG of, of, of this kind of stuff. So I just want to give a shout out to you and your sponsors, Alienware, Game Fuel, and I believe, you know, your new sponsor there, Talkspace. So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, I just appreciate you bringing me on. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, moving on to the next caller. Uh, by the way, thank you to Aerohydris for the Prime, Rico Suave for gifting a sub. Uh, Raging Pianist, always a pleasure. Travis. Uh, and Moonfish, thank you. Hello. Random question. Sometimes there's a whole other side conversation going on, like you're talking about, like you're reading out this stuff. What if we at some point made a little chat box somewhere for uh, Twitch chat to be on for the VODs? Oh, God. Uh, what do you think about that? We've talked about this before. It's very difficult to find space on the screen for it. Um, Just cover I, you up. I maybe Mark, we can have these conversations off air because whenever you yeah, because OPTSM fans here to talk about something. Yes, exactly. OPTSM fan, welcome back to the show. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome back. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take is just, I think all NA fans should be cheering for EG to make it as the last team for Worlds if they truly care about the growth of our region. It's a TSM fan saying it. Oh, What's happened? Boy. OPTSM fan. Aren't you like OPC lol fan at this point or something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the back on TSM many moons ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suzuki in the chat Twitter really account. likes this take. Um, okay. You want to elaborate, Mr. OPTSM fan? Yeah, sure. So the two main points that I have is uh, I think if, and I believe that they will, that EG does make it, uh, it'll show that if you invest or that you can invest in NA talent if you have the right systems in place, which was something that y'all talked about previously, about you can't just like throw money and expect to find 30 Dannys, but if you do what 100 Thieves has done and what EG is doing and some other teams are trying to do, to use them included, uh, with the amateur teams and scouting out, I think that's really, really important because them going to Worlds in the first year that they do this, I think we'll send a message throughout the league and then also try to help like for other like amateur orgs or even if you want to go down the way to high school where I think it could be really beneficial. And also mainly just for players like Danny, right? Uh, it, I think there have been so many times where we've been so hopeful for NA players who don't make it to Worlds and we don't necessarily see their growth because they're not challenged outside of the region or they don't have the experience to do that. I mean, like, I think Contracts is a perfect example of it, that he did go to Worlds, and he was good and had the chance, and then he was on 100 Thieves, uh, and then now he's come back, and he's been, like, this kind of journeyman that has to, for whatever reason, like, re-prove himself, but he, he is a part of this NA talent and was, at one point, considered to be, like, what now we would say is, like, the next Blabber. Uh, but, so that that's, like... Blabber was the next Contracts. Yeah, essentially. 
is what is what I'm getting at. He was like the first one in many people's eyes when when he came onto the scene. Interesting. I thought so, that some of this would be based on their playstyle. Like you had higher hopes for EG at Worlds. Yeah, it, that's. Well, I I definitely think that I think Pete, Peter Dunn had uh, had a. I don't. I think it actually probably was an interview with you, Travis, where he talked about um, their playstyle. Yes. I'm sorry. The soul of the LCS interview, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That one. It was a great interview. And, you know, Peter, as always, is very well spoken in how, how he wants to uh, elaborate things. I, I think that it's nice y'all just got done talking about the different teams that we're seeing and teams like C9 and TSM may not show up there. But we'll, we, will see, we will see different types of teams where we're not just doing the, you know, I think Peter as in double lift said before that what wins in North America doesn't always necessarily win at international events. And you're seeing the style of like EG and 100 Thieves and now New Look Team Liquid where they're trying to push the pace a little bit more and they're not just waiting the scale and just hope that they have better hands than the other team at the end of the day. Does it feel so weird as a TSM fan to be betraying your organization? Yeah, that's, they, that's, the, that's the one follow-up I wanted to ask. Is like, how much of this is motivated by TSM's bad showing this weekend? How much uh, is this like spite? None, actually, none. Uh, I, 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 I was one of the three people, or three people. I was one of the people who thought of the three teams going. It would be C9, TSM, and EG. It has nothing to do with a slight with them. Like, I, I like a lot of the players. I think Speaker probably should be MVP. Uh, I, I really like a lot of the staff uh, over there. But this is more like I have believed and evil geniuses since Jump Street this season because of their initiatives in the collegiate scene and then into amateur. Uh, I'm all, I've also been just a huge fan of what Artemis and Empire did on Clutch Gaming uh, and their experience at Worlds. And I think that the staff that they have there, you know, Peter, Kelsey and everything, that that is more indicative of why I have uh, hopium, if you want to use it, or just more confidence in the success of EG. And I think that if they make it, other orgs will be like, okay, if we're serious about trying to make it and we want to also inject talent from NA into our rosters, whether that be at LCS Academy or amateur levels, we need to do something. They are obviously doing something right. It took them a year to do this. What do we need to do? Papa Smithy. If you could pick the final team to go to Worlds, who would you pick? Um, I'd pick EG. But not for the... So I think the callers take... like, It's an interesting one, because I think back to a year ago, and the tactical story and the Danny story, I mean, people obviously... Obviously, Cole was referencing it after Game 4, but the stories are pretty similar, right? Like, I think with Danny, because he came from amateur straight to LCS, and because he's 17 years calendar of age, it's like the most obvious kind of like sports movie version of it but like there's parallels to it you look at the rest of eg and it's incredibly experienced players right it's one player who is like this mm -hmm. like one hope just like tactical to some degree was the one hope especially when he performed in group stage at worlds um so i think it's i think holding that up as like uh, a signal i mean if it leads to investment in amateur and stuff great I don't know necessarily if that's what this signal would do just because we've had similar ones before. So I'm not 100% sure about the causation, well, but mm -hmm. I'm down with that result if we get that result from it. Would you say then, though, that couldn't what Tactical did last year 
have been like the signal fire that lit the idea under someone, not necessarily Peter Dunn, but in this case, Peter Dunn, to look for someone like a Danny. I know they, they found him, but like if that if the fire continues to burn, and I'm not saying it needs to just burn brightly and then we're just all, you know, oh, N.A., let's go. I'm I'm with you where we need to have a, a longer stretch. But do you think like there is any causation there? So if we want to be like, it will sound super self-congratulatory, but our amateur team last year, Riot cited to me as the reason they tried to like soup up the amateur scene. They wanted to see more LCS orgs get in. I know the EGGM really, really well. He liked what we did and wanted to recreate it. And he thought that, that there was a vision for them there and they signed Kelsey and they went in there. I think the specific signal value of tactical in that case wasn't the reason. I think the, 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 the signal value of Danny this year might be the reason for any of the late converts and things like that. So I don't want to pat no, myself on the back or, or shit on another conclusion. But in this case, I think people saw what we started and are now running with it. And all I wanted was for all 10 teams to start putting money into amateur because my view of a successful NA is as a new player, as someone who hits, you know, Diamond one, uh, you know, master for the first time. I always like the idea of I load up the top 50 in solo queue and every single player has a clan tag. And I'm like, oh crap, if I get to top 50, I could be a pro player too. Uh, that was the, the vision I had. And I mm -hmm. think that's getting closer to being realized. And I think that's a really good thing for North America because previously, if you were a talented young player and you wanted to work out how to get to full-time pay, you know, obviously at the end of the day, being able to make games your full-time job is, is a dream for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people don't get there. I think it, it felt hard. It felt like it was connections or I'm, I'm 15 and it's so far away and ooh, this new game came out, I'll play that instead. I think with amateur coming on and teams getting into that, suddenly 15, 16 year olds do have a place to feel like they're part of a system. And I think we're starting to see examples. And it's great that Danny is an example, but mm -hmm. tactical came kind of more from the more conventional scouting ground scene that I think will start dying out for the new amateur scene we have. Um, this was a weird angle for this topic to go. <laughs> well, let's, Mark, if you want, we talked about Danny a lot. If you want to pivot it into the the angle we thought and kind of, I mean, he sounds like the caller agrees with it, that the play style is something exciting. I'm I'm I'd be happy to hear your opinion on on if you think EG would be our our best bet at Worlds or not. It's just like a weird end now because I was hoping that we would have something more to bounce on because the the Peter Dunn sold the LCS thing. I mean, no offense to the people who are still talking about it, but it's kind of beaten into the ground. Um, and I was hoping to hear a TSM fans' perspective on why. They uh, were no well, longer. TSM fans not a TSM fan anymore. It's just the truth. Yeah, yeah but I, I mean, either way, just saying like, EG's talent development is why I want them to succeed. Okay, now. well, it's regardless, like, I yes, I know, not the direction okay, you wanted. Go, Mark, go. Mark, let me hear I'm just from saying, you. I don't have any thoughts really. That okay, was Papa Smithy, you saying. said you would pick EG, but not for those reasons. Why would you pick EG as the final team to go to Worlds? I just think they're a good org, a good actor. Whenever I've had dealings with them and and shoot the shit with their GM, like they're good people. Um, and I think for me, the thing I appreciate the most is they made an outside bet on the roster, right? They brought in a 17 year old straight from, you know, amateur to LCS. And I think that as a GM is a very hard rule to justify, especially after spending so much on your roster to like put in a very obvious, like, well, he didn't perform. He's a young player kind of 
lose condition, if you know what I mean. Um, so I respect the gamble they took, and I'm, it's, it's a nice, fresh perspective. So I'm excited to see them take out, and if they're the best-performing team, that's great, you know? Mark, I think EG would be the most entertaining of the remaining teams for us to send to Worlds because I think beyond Jazuke trash-talking, I don't know, uh, world champions and everybody I mean, else. They that... sell world's pro views just with Jazuke be being great. there. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, I, I think that they tend to play the most chaotic style of perhaps all the teams in North America, uh, certainly of the top five. And I think it would be very exciting to see them uh, create really unusual game states in groups rather than just sort of what we often see. I remember. And we referenced Cold this, I think. Cold take, resident sleeper. I remember this on, Mark, I'm Cold trying to fucking take. send the topic oh in the God. direction you wanted it to go in. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, about the clip that I have on my YouTube channel of you talking about how TSM doesn't make the proactive play at Worlds and how frustrating it was to you. And I think that EG would be the team to make plays like that. Do you agree? Yeah, and is that a good enough reason for EG to be the, the final team no, to no, send to here, Worlds? Here we go. I'll give you the hot take. I want no, no, no. no. Let, hold, let, me, let, me, let me respond to Travis, okay? <laughs> My, the reason is, because this is not a hot take, the reason it was an interesting call to me was because it was from someone who's not you and me, Travis. You telling me the same thing that I know I you know, thought for three weeks. But the caller did not Absolutely. say that, and so now I we're know, going in circles about saying, the call like, that didn't end up happening that you wanted to have happen. People on Twitch are like, oh, Mark can't adapt. I'm like, I want to adapt. I want to move on from the topic where I say the same thing I've said for three weeks. It's Mark, not are they your pick? If you had to pick one of the reigning teams. Yeah, absolutely. Look. I think they look fucking better right now, too. I think TSM look like shit. Playstyle aside, you know, that fucking red side counterpick strat where they want to go up against in Alfari. Like, sure, fair enough. They played the early games pretty proactively. I think they actually adapted well. But their mid game was terrible. Their team fights were bad. Their setups were awful. I talked about the analyst desk in game game one with the Ziggs Azir, and they're shadowing the Azir versus the LeBlanc because they don't have any comfortable lane setups. And then they fucking TP the Ziggs down. It was yeah. a disaster. Everything about I, it was a disaster. And I hope really... they fix it. I hope they fucking fix it. Yeah, but they, I, I don't want to send that. I don't no, want to send that shit shit macro. Yeah, I, I I will agree. I also like so. Here's Mock the... needs a hug. <laughs> Here, I'm, here's I'm the hug. by this call. That's Yo, what it is. OPTSM yeah, so, fans, uh, say say your last bit here. Well, this will be, I guess, will be my last time. Mark's never going to take a call again. Uh, he's jaded now by it. Uh, I think that EG's uh, ability to play through Jazuke, no matter which jungler that they have, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I think just also, I, I think that if you see more plays, like the, TSM is a team who looks like they're afraid to make the correct play. And EG will just full send it on anything f close to 50-50. Uh, and that is what we've needed. And that's why I said earlier when I was like that everything that has won NA before has been like, let's just play passive. Let's just scale. Let's just do whatever. And it's really like lame and resident sleeper to watch. But EG will like coin flip at second scuttle as opposed to like MSI Cloud9 at first scuttle. So it at least will be fun to watch. I also think that they're really, really talented and have a good coaching staff who can do a lot of the prep uh, going forward uh, at Worlds. I feel like you got to watch the most recent series. TSM didn't even play like that. They didn't even really play for scaling aside for the Azir pick being a little awkward. 
but they 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 were really roam heavy. They were trying to snowball counterpick red side, you know. I mean, like but they... but they, so the, so TL covers it in game one the whole time to protect Alfari, and then game two, TSM just leave Hooney up there. They're like, ah, oh, well, I know that they did that, but I don't I don't know if we can do the exact same thing, man. It's so like it it there seems to be a disconnect when they want to implement something, but yet they don't know how to counter the, almost the exact same thing that they want to do, and I am I can trust a team like EG to do it because they would send it the entire way. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying like the, the actual play style point, I don't even think applies to the most, re most recent series. They played well, fucking J4 LeBlanc and just biffed it into a Syndra because they fucked up their flex pick in the draft because they wanted to lease it into the Camille. The problem is not like how they tried to play it, it's, it's their actual abilities to play that way. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. They, they wanted to be aggressive that series, I can tell you. They tried really hard. They just were much worse than TL. Uh, and it was in the mid to late game because a lot of those games were actually even uh, until till the, the mid to late game. Two things. One, Steve in the chat moments ago said EG is his pick as well. He would pick them. I think it's really interesting that we have... I, I have a sense that a lot of people on the scene are are rooting for EG to take that final slot, which is, uh, which is very interesting. OPTSM fans, shout-outs. Uh, so to Talkspace, you're a new one. I really, really, uh, like that. Also, um, I've had, uh, just support Academy and amateur guys. If you really want to do it, they need the viewership numbers as well. Uh, and I have a request to ask Papa Smithy to just talk about Busio. Very good. Thank good you, OPTSM player. fan. We're going to take a quick break, but, uh, thank you for the call. Speaking of Talkspace, who you just shouted out. Uh, I want to talk about Talkspace. So if somebody wants to do exclamation mark Talkspace in the chat, uh, Nightbot should put out the link. Otherwise, if uh, you're on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast of this, you can go over to YouTube and check out the Talkspace link. It would be very, very appreciated if you click it. So if you missed last week, you might have uh, not heard this, but Talkspace is this really awesome service that I am I'm so pleased to have joining us. You can use code Travis when you sign up for it to save on your first month, which is very, very helpful for us. We love it when people do that. But uh, you can use Talkspace basically to uh, get to have a, a relationship with a therapist who you can message 24 seven. So this is something that is really neat. I mean, I, I love having a wholesome sponsor on board um, because I think a lot of people are going through a tough time. It's been a tough couple of years. Uh, I mean, even little things like for me, I had a really, I know I did a stream. I didn't end up posting it to my YouTube channel, but I did a stream uh, when it got announced that the LCS finals were not going to be happening in Newark. And like for me, the, the connection that I have with my friends in the industry and with the other League of Legends fans, the viewers like you, uh, you know, that's the type of stuff that oftentimes helps keep me motivated. And it's, it's just been a bunch of little things like that, that have been really tough, um, over the past couple of years. And I know everybody else probably has little things or sometimes even big things that it would be nice to talk to somebody about and figure out how to manage things, managing anxiety, managing, um, you know, depression or trying to figure out how to navigate a complicated point in your life. Everybody has these moments and, you know, it's not. It's not a thing where you necessarily need to wait until you've gotten into a really, really bad spot to go talk to somebody. You know, try talking to somebody now and use Talkspace to 
to give that a try. You can save a tremendous amount using our code. Uh, you're able to message a therapist, as I said, 24-7, but you can also schedule video appointments with them. Uh, they tech take uh, many different insurances. You can check and see if yours is taken. They assign you a therapist. You know, going out and like trying to find somebody, it is incredibly difficult sometimes to find somebody um, who you can trust. Uh, these uh, Talkspace, they're able to find somebody just by having you answer some questions who's a great fit for you. Uh, so go check out Talkspace. Really appreciate them supporting the show. It's been so awesome to have them come on. I know mental health is a, a bigger and bigger thing for a lot of people these days, and so this is a great way for you to uh, make sure that you're in a healthy uh, place. So thank you again so much, Talkspace, for doing this. And by the way, just clicking that link and taking a look at their page, that helps the, the channel out too, even if you're not signing up in this exact moment. So again, thank you to Talkspace for sponsoring and uh, really have enjoyed having them on the show as a sponsor for the past couple of weeks. Mark, you want to go grab our next caller? Sir, I had a lot of fun with that last call. Thanks for pushing my buttons. Of course, of course. Uh, uh, Steve in the chat asks, by the way, if, if Talkspace has licensed therapists. Yes, they do, Steve. Steve, if you want me to... Uh, if you want me to put you in touch with the the agency that's doing stuff with them, I'm happy to do that because I think it'd be really cool to see. Uh, I think even teams work with them. We can follow up later on. Uh, shouted out some subs: Hannon two one one two, Crouton Cheval, uh, Veggie Pizza, uh, Nordified, Rigo, uh, Baich, X Adam X, and Connor. Thank you everyone for the subs. Oshawat is here. Oshawat, you've called in before, yes? I have, I have. I remember, I remember. Uh, what do you want? Uh, remind me where you're calling from. I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the home of Spica, or former home of Spica. Let's that's go. That's true, that's true. Um, He's from Philadelphia, Philly. What do you yeah. want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my main thing is that I don't see 100 Thieves getting enough credit for how well their draft and strategy was going into the EG series. I think it was really good. It was, I think, specifically designed to shut down Jazuke or make his life as hard as possible. Um, and that uh, the worst performing player on EG, in my opinion, for that series was Impact. Oh, okay. Do you want to elaborate a little bit? Uh, so I guess I'll just start off with the uh, the Jazuke point and uh, the draft. I'm not flaming. I want to start off. I'm not flaming anyone. I think I love all the players on EG, and I think we can criticize without flaming, which is why a lot of the Jazuke stuff I'm seeing online I think is disgusting, because uh, I've seen a lot of that on Twitter and Reddit criticize and stuff. Criticize without but, uh, flaming? I don't think it's all the yeah, same. No, Sorry, continue. No, uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, they constantly denied the rise pick, which was awesome. Uh, Abadage said, "All right, I'm going to play this. I'm going to deny it. We don't have to waste a band. We're going to play blue side." Uh, so that was a really great. I think a really great thing. Once Syndra started working, they banned that out. Renekton, if they didn't pick it, they uh, uh, they banned it every single game. And then in the later stages, this is more relating to Impact, but uh, they kept banning away the NAR on the second half of draft so he couldn't get that matchup in the Gangplank. So that strategy of just shutting down these two X-Factors for the team, I think was really great. And uh, I don't see enough people giving credit for that. Um, furthermore, they had Huhi and Closer play out of their minds camping mid lane. They literally did not allow Jasuke to play, specifically Huhi. Even in uh, when he wasn't like in mid lane, it was just team fights. Like, look at the game one plays where Huhi was constantly making it impossible for Jasuke in team fights with his R's and his uh, not hooks. It was just really well done. Um, 
and so yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about the uh, Jazuke thing. I actually think it was really impressive how I don't know how they did it. Maybe maybe Papa can give some insight on what Reaper did to mind control EG to go Ziggs Lucian two three in their final phase instead of like Thresh Rise or or anything else. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Mark, you are so disappointed. Uh, I mean, I I understand, but. <laughs> It's very funny how how tilted you were. I think by that, uh, uh, I was I was uh, on on the day. I mean, like I tweeted about the whole like hot hand Danny thing, but like and people were saying, oh, pick Trister. I can understand not wanting to just pick Trist like that, but it felt like it with how big of a priority Rise was and all this stuff to just like not even try it and also not pick the Thresh and like all this stuff was just like what. I think I'm one of the few people that understand why EG did what they did. I think people look at it and, and I get your side of like playing into the player who just popped off, right? I think clearly EG was having a lot of struggles in the, the top side of the map and the top three V3s because we you know, were mm -hmm. very much on top of Jizuke and everything he did. So you draft bot lane Ziggs, you give Ignar his signature champ, like his Rakan has been something that ever since my first prep meeting against FlightQuest last year, it's how to deal with Ignar's flanks. They basically, had Danny kind of like wave clear safely, which is what Ziggs does, and, and just tried to counter the thing that was running them down. Because I mean, four games, I mean, maybe not game two, but three out of the four games, the top side struggles were the real reason that things weren't really in sync for EG. So I understand trying to address a weakness, and they went with that over trying to accentuate a strength, in this case, a late game strength, rather than the early game. So I think they just tried to fix their early game and things didn't go their way and I think yeah. people there's a lot of different angles on that to like judge them because it didn't work right like I get it didn't work it, it, the, the player who was hot had to play more of a kind of like a role player champ rather than like a hard carry champ but EG's strategy was ban double 80 carry to set up more breathable matchups for Danny to scale into the late game like that's you know they were banning what well, Varus Callista every game and then the moment that they bring in Sven Skaren who's a, um, you know, uh, he plays the Viego in a way that Contracts doesn't play Viego. You know they're going to prioritize Viego early. And the moment they leave up Varus and see it, they can't pick Tristana into Varus and play topside with Viego. And you don't want to have that alternative of playing bot side with Viego when the whole point of the Spencerian sub-in is to, like, help with the top side. So I see what they're trying to do. It's just very results-oriented to be like, well, it didn't work now, so it must have been shit. Yeah, Mark. Oh, I didn't realize I tweeted immediately. You're right, it was results-oriented. <laughs> I uh, I mean, I think there's a number of power picks in that series that at, in the, the third game, or the fifth game, just kind of disappeared from, from the priority. Um, but, you know, is what it is. We'll see what they do in the future. I think uh, the 100 Thieves draft prep to the caller's point was really good. I mean, I don't know if they knew that they'd be playing blue side the entire time, but... EG, nope. is ha <laughs> EG has had really limited draft, in a sense, where much more than any of the other top teams, they've done less experimentation. Um, they've, they've done a lot of, like, here's our four champs that are our priority champs that we run in every position, every game. Um, and I think, in some sense, 100 Thieves had a, a good game plan on blue side to play against it, and we're able to just keep doing that over and over until EG try and finally tried to flip it up. Well, Mark, what's funny about that is uh, I had an interview with Peter Dunn the other week. I, I, I said this last time, but I work at the Game House. Check it out, doc, uh, dot com. Check it out, guys. 
Um, and Peter Dunn was like, oh, Chizuke's got all these spicy mid lane picks, stuff we've never seen before. And then it just felt like it's the same three picks over and over again. Which is kind of funny, just because uh, you brought up the limited draft. I, I have no doubt that they have a bunch that they've they've played in scrims, but on stage it's Syndra, LeBlanc, yeah, no, I agree. Lucian, Tristana maybe mid if, if you really start flexing the pool around. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, it was a really good series by 100 Thieves. And I think uh, the someday point was the, uh, the biggest one because yep. he, had, he had been uh, kind of dragged a little bit by the community as not having a good split compared to some of his teammates and then to kind of handle the jace counter pick with the gp and stuff like that he, he had a really good series well uh, specifically about someday like it's he uh you know statistically throughout the season didn't really compare the impact impact was ahead of him in most stats i think the only thing they were like even in is kda uh which i guess is you know say what you will about that stat it's a bit iffy um but he just completely ran over impact that series someday was disgusting uh like he did not allow impact any room to breathe and even in like the matchups that were supposed to be impact favored specifically the jace uh he just didn't allow him it was it was just complete slaughter and uh, i think a lot of credit needs to be given to someday because for whatever reason him and who he are not getting as much credit as I think they should get, and uh, Closer's getting all the credit, um, which, again, he deserves. Uh, everyone on that team deserves props, um, but I just think it's interesting that uh, we're not celebrating people when they're performing well or even way above expectations. Uh, I don't know, Papa Smith, if you want to talk too much or if you can without... I, get, I mean, you're still in the playoffs, I get it, but I don't know if you can speak at all to the the drafting that you guys were doing. I mean, not really, right? Like, it's both not my area of expertise, and I don't either want to reveal our strategy or even, like, reveal our read on EG. You know, like, at the end of the day, I'm not looking to influence future results. I will say that if we had two weeks to prep for one opponent. Like, it was very unlikely to be Dignitas, so we knew we'd be facing EG, and we knew that what they were doing was, was strong. I think their fundamentals are really strong, and I think it's a fair point to say that their comfort picks exist. Like maybe you can say small effective champion pools, et cetera. Obviously, it's hard to know. But they also have strong fundamentals. So just because the picks are gone doesn't mean the fundamentals disappear, right? Um, yeah. I think there was quite a lot of things we had to do to be a team that was able to beat EG in a best of five. And I, I saw a clear progression over the course of two weeks to the point where I guess people were talking about us looking good in scrims. So I think that's a sign of us looking inward, um, but also knowing our opponents. So... It's at the end of the day, perform on one day and you go to Worlds, you know, like it's pretty crazy. Um, and not having to show anything the week before, that is a really big reward for top two. And it just all came together to a nail-biting five-game win, but a win nonetheless. Oshawott, uh, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we again, move I'm gonna, to the next caller? I'll shamelessly plug the game house again. Uh, EG, accept my interview request this week, please, because you're in chat. Uh <laughs> But uh, jokes aside, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one. All right, Mark is off to grab our next caller. Uh, thank you to Shadow Mox in the chat for the Prime. Uh, Warden Winter as well, always appreciated. Thank you to everybody who's dropping uh, Prime subs on the channel, uh, helping to... Uh, we we had a bit of a, a summer drought, and so it's been nice that uh, I think playoffs is reinvigorating people. We're getting some more folks here. 
Uh, speaking of folks here, Awesome is here. Awesome, where are you calling from? Awesome Maxi, but close enough. Sorry? I'm from uh, Awesome Maxi, but uh, close enough. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, sometimes Coast, I go Australia. shorter on it. Where are you calling from? Gold Coast, Australia. Nice. Gold Coast, Australia. Okay, well, yeah. perfect uh, perfect caller to have on. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, well, I've been watching the show since episode one, funny enough, but I've first time calling in. And I thought uh, lately the takes have been... Not so hot, so I thought I'd come in with my own hot nice. take. Nice. Okay, well, like you're, now you're setting yourself up. You yeah, so this weekend, um, this weekend we'll see the biggest upset in SDS history when Immortals beat TSM. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm excited to see how Twitch chat reacts to this. Okay. I think, um, so both teams had a week off on week one, and uh, coming into the second week, Immortals had to verse Dignitas in a very easy, convincing 3-0. Dignitas didn't really put up a fight, and Mortals had like, I think it was almost the fastest playoff series in LCS history, something like that. So I think they're really ready for first TSM, and TSM come in, probably, I assume they tried their hardest, because if they win, they go to Worlds, so they come in versus TL, and then they have some of the worst picks I've ever seen. I don't know why they have so much high priority on Azir, the champ is not as good as they think it is, and then the Javan pick is just, I don't know. So I think TSM has just thrown all of their strats and i think immortals will have sufficient ways to beat them all right i'm gonna i'm gonna point out the obvious thing here which is tsm finished first in regular season immortals finished seventh so i feel like you're gonna need a little bit more than like tsm tried hard and lost and immortals look good against uh you know not not a top team as your justification for why you're gonna see the seventh place team upset the first place team in playoffs. Do you have anything, any more juice? Well, I think um, Immortals started off the season pretty bad, but I think they've been scaling, getting better and better every week. I think even in their last week, they were pretty good. And then I think TSM is like a really best of one team, just the way they play with Huni and Speaker. But I think in best of five, they don't have enough um, strategies to win three games in a best of five. I mean, one of my biggest concerns for Immortals here is like not even just the player gap, but people talk so much, and I obviously didn't pull through for them this this time around, but about the infrastructure and the staff and the analysts yeah, and the scouting. Erickson and Gilhoto. Well, not. I mean, people want to make it about the two of those. I I actually have a lot of faith in Gilhoto. I think he's really good, but like TSM has K's who people constantly give huge amounts of praise to yeah, like, insane for sure yeah like there there is i think just far more infrastructure on the tsm side which i think is incredibly important to, important in a best of five like maybe if this was a best of one i could buy that this was going to be the upset but um i just feel like it's so unlikely in this case even just from like you know infrastructure gap i, I guess point of view i don't know mark Infrastructure gap, wallet gap. Um, so I've heard some. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what to make of these. I heard some some rumors about scrims not going well. So I have uh, also. I'm glad you said that. I wasn't going to say it, but somebody. I heard a rumor that Immortals was trashing TSM and scrims recently. So they're scrims. Uh, Jazuke is in chat. We had Steve earlier. We got Papa here. Anyone can can confirm about the two scrim states of these teams? Anyone got some scrim deets? Don't need to leak anything specific, but just like vibe check. Anyone got a, yeah. anyone got a Jazuke think... in chat? 
I think IMT is a really interesting team. Like when we scrim them, it's usually a few weeks apart, and they either look super hot or, or super lost. Like they're they, but they can be really powerful in scrims for sure. Jazuke I mean, says Xerxes gonna one v nine. Mark my words, you can come back to this when you see the best of five. So he seems to well, believe. And then just now he said X D D D D D D D D D D D D. So I don't know what to think of the of Jazuke's. Point. I feel like uh, scrims, even if even if that is true, which I I haven't heard. Like I will say, I haven't heard a first-hand source from being like I just played them and you know or, or like whatever. So maybe it's all rumor mill shit. But like uh, if it is true, it still doesn't necessarily mean anything because there's plenty of times that teams have shit weeks of scrims and then turn around and do fine or vice versa. Um, so I I, I think uh, I I give the prediction that I'm still pretty heavily in the TSM camp. Um, for some of the reasons, I don't think the infrastructure gap necessarily. I think more the players and some of the matchups, uh, especially in the solo lanes, um, and even the bot lane. Like Xersei and, and Raze can sometimes have like really aggressive strategies, and they pop off really fucking hard. And I can see that maybe you know with Lost being a bit of a weak point. I caught a lot of shit last series, but like maybe that's an in. But like no one has snowballed through bot side in North America yet in almost like any of their games it's it's so roam heavy right now that even if that was a win condition i haven't really seen it executed even though when i thought there were opportunities to do it like the tl draft game three or um some of what i thought 100 thieves was going to go for a little bit more well um, people bring up the the player gap and like mechanical skill kind of argument but i think uh if you watch that series against tl you will see the multiple <laughs> TSM players playing very horribly. Who needs Aurelia missing like E every single team fight, ulting into nothing. And then even like macro decisions lost when they're playing Spitlap, decides to stay under his turret, dies in the tower dive. Meanwhile, on the other side, Afari backs off correctly. So I think that people are overestimating the player diff and mechanics diff on TSM. Even the infrastructure or like prep dip, diff, you know, like, uh, I don't know, TSM's game plan made sense didn't seem to to work that well whereas uh 100 or imt i got it wrong in the dive i thought it was 14 picks it's 13 unique picks and three viegos um uh, but they, it was a flex viego so it's kind of basically 14 which is where i got it mixed up so like i don't know mortals showed a lot of shit they're kind of probably a little bit hard to prep against if they're going to be playing all these different champs and stuff Papa Smith well, so I, I also got baited last week from peter dunn hyping up coaching staff of tsm because i'm um... I can't see how you say the coaching staff and analysts were insane and then that series happens. Because you literally see ETL play the same way against C9 with Core JJ, never roaming bot, and then they kind of did the exact same thing. And then TSM just had no response to it. I mean, it's a fair kind point. Bobby <laughs> Smithy, that was... odds that T uh, IMT upset TSM. I think it's a really interesting series because I think IMT doesn't get talked about enough, and I, and I agree with you. Uh, about uh, their preparation. I think they have actually really good preparation on the IMT side. I think it's interesting that both teams, the heartbeat of their team is the jungler. Um, Speaker and Zerosea are like the most important players on their teams by far. I think IMT actually plays for their jungler better than TSM does. I think sometimes it's like Speaker, you see him even on like um, TSM Legends talking about like, what could I have done here and things like that. Um, I think it, it sounds so reductive, but if I look in at the player gap, for that to not matter in a best of five, I think is, is quite 
it's like a pretty big uphill battle for IMT here. And that's that's the struggle is like, if it's a best of one, I think I pick IMT to win. Um, and I think IMT have a higher chance of winning a best of one against TSM if it was played this week. But in a best of five, I just think they'll change their bands and eventually figure out a way to make it a more honest game. And then I think TSM probably wins. So it's like, a, it's screaming like, I think 3-0 TSM is like 0% possibility, but I think that uh, TSM will win, definitely. Yeah. Awesome, Maxi. Thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? I'll just um, shout out Andrew, Andre Gulholter, because I think you'll forget that every time he joins a team, he takes that team to Somerset Finals, and it's happening again. Well, I'm ex yeah. I'm excited to see it happen. He said that. No, he's not just so. beating. Not just beating TSM. Yeah, he's making. It, he's going all the way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I love that in your last breath here on the show, you you made your your take even more spicy. Uh, you added some some peppers, some hot peppers to it. Thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. Here yep. in two weeks with, with your correct prediction. Yes. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break before our final call to talk about Gamefield. Thank you so much, Gamefield, for sponsoring the show. We love Gamefield. They do so much to support Hotline League, and they've been a wonderful partner throughout this year. They are, besides uh, Alienware, our only other annual partner, and it's been awesome to have them come on for the full year. I think uh, it is incredible that we have two wonderful partners that have committed for so long in uh, Mountain Dew Gamefield and, and Alienware, but I'd love it if if you haven't tried Gamefield yet, please do me a favor. There's probably a decent amount of you. You know, one of the things that I've heard is, and I have saw I saw this actually, when people try Game Fuel, they like it and they, they keep drinking it. They keep ordering it. And so that's one thing I've seen with the, the Game Fuel victory callers in the past is we'll send them out a case. Maybe they haven't tried it. And then I hear from them that they really like it and they keep drinking it. So please give, give it a try. Uh, you can do exclamation mark. In fact, I'll do it right now. Exclamation mark game fuel in the Twitch chat. But also if you're listening to the YouTube uh, or podcast, you can go look at the, the description to find the link. Very much appreciated. And be sure, by the way, when you when you click over, by the way, just clicking it is very helpful. Uh, you know, because that's with all my sponsors, when you click the link, they at least get to see that you, you went over there and gave it a look, uh, which is awesome. But you can also use code Travis to save 5% which is really appreciated uh, because that makes sure that they know that you are uh, one of our our lovely callers and it's helping to support the show helps it helps uh, you know renew these year-long partnerships for us so that we can keep doing this type of thing because I I don't have any investment money I can't I can't run at a loss we need these sponsors to keep it going um, and and so I can keep paying mark his exorbitant fees uh, that he he demands just kidding mark's great i i got in a i got in a tiff with him earlier and i just want to apologize did you say something mark it looked like you were muted oh you are he muted. might be getting a he's getting muted a mark you're muted we don't hear you at all oh he's getting another call yeah you're right thank you papa smithy i didn't see he left the call Anyway, thank you so much. Someone Gamefield. has to be on top of this show. You know? Yes, thank you. Uh, whenever you're streaming, you don't hear the Discord noises, and so it looked mm -hmm. like he was coincidentally responding. Anyway, thank you to Gamefield, Mountain Dew Gamefield, for sponsoring the show. We love having them on as a partner. All right, Mark is grabbing our last caller. 
thank you to Frostfire and Tipsy Turkey and Leroy Lemon for the subs. We're only 11 Hello. subs away from hitting 800. Tarzan to Worlds is here. Tarzan to Worlds, our final caller. What do you want to talk about on the show? Or, sorry, where are you calling from? Tarzan? Oh, I'm calling from New York, New York. And you've been on the show previously, though I believe under a different name. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll keep it a secret what your previous name was. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, I want to talk about how C9 is going to be the, the team that makes Worlds for the third seed. For the third? Well, do you mean for the third team instead of third seed, or do you think that they're going to come in as the oh, third? I think they're going to come in at, as the third seed. They're only the third best team. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, what makes you believe this? So, first of all, um, TSM is going to be easy pickings um, once C9 beats EG. Like, TSM is the worst team out, out of the five that were sort of contenders going into playoffs. And I think that the last series versus TL made that very clear. Um, considering uh, EG... Um, one thing about EG is that despite the fact that Danny is a very good AD carry, they don't really play for him. Ignar always leaves lane, no matter which game. Ignar will never be in lane past three minutes. And I think that's something that C9 can take advantage of. And C9 has a good bot lane. They haven't really played for it this split, but it is one they have played for in the past and I feel like if C9 actually think about how EG plays, it's always towards top side. Ignar does not know how to play towards bot lane. And that's been consistent throughout his career. He does not how to know how to play for bot lane. And if C9 try to abuse that, I think they can can win the series. Also, um Blabber is a much better jungler than either of Contracts or Sven Skarin. I know that people have been, people have sort of been down on Blabber lately, but he's better than those two. And I think it's sort of also an interesting narrative how Blabber sort of replaced both these guys on C9. So why would those guys be better? Uh, one quick question for you, Tarzan. Uh, do you, who do you think was looked better against TL, C9 or TSM? I think C9 actually looked better versus uh, TL. Okay. See, I knew sometimes I ask these questions just to get Mark to give the reaction that I know he's going to give. Uh, <laughs> because I think I think that uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough when you're saying TSM is the worst of the, of the five Whoa. because I definitely feel like at least in playoffs so far – they haven't. It hasn't looked that way, Mark. I I feel like you know if you're just talking about TL series, there's no way that TSM looked worse than C9. And I know I just went hard on TSM, but that was partly me being overexcited from the call itself, and not my like you know I was saying oh they're playing like dog shit and stuff. They weren't. They weren't playing like dog shit. They made some good plays. They actually you know went toe to toe with TL in the early game, whereas C9 in the early game got fucking blasted. They were down 8k gold in two different games at like 18 minutes. All the all the turrets were down but in hip turrets. And then they fucking lost all three of their games in sub 30 minutes. And the game they won took them like 45 to close out after TL fucking entered the draft by taking... They just lost track of Thresh entirely. Based off what it kind of sounded like Santorin said in the loser interview. So like from that one, 
I would say there's no way. I think you can make a case that C9s bounced back versus Golden Guardians. They took some learnings. They they adapted. You know, their meta read has become better. You know, like they took their lumps from TL and improved. And I think you can take that as your your argument for why you think that TSM is now the worst team left in in the standings. I mean, Golden Guardians is a much easier team than Team Liquid is. Uh, so you know, it's it's a little like, eh, how much does C9 improve versus just play against an easier team? Um, but I, I honestly felt pretty good about watching C9 play versus Golden Guardians. They kind of smacked them down how I would have wanted them to as one of the, the top teams contending for Worlds. Uh, Papa Smithy, do you A, think that TSM is the worst of the five, and B, think that C9 will take the third seed? I know you said you're hoping for EG, but what do you think the chances are there? I think they're the easiest team to prepare for, and I think that counts against them. I think the level is pretty similar, um, so I don't really feel strongly about it. Like I could say yes, but I don't want to like hold my hat to it. I think that it's going to be a really interesting. So you're talking scene. about TSM being fifth, or you're? Yeah, I, okay. I could I live with that. Like if you want to tell me that, I'm not going to sit here and vehemently disagree. But I also think that the level of the the three teams competing is pretty similar. And I think it's a lot on their preparation um, and what they come in with. Like, I'm so interested to watch C9 versus EG because I think EG prepared for us two weeks ago and then was surprised with us on the day. And I think if you prepare for the EG that lost to us, you're going to see a different EG. I respect the EG coaching stuff a lot. So I think C9 are usually going to play a pretty similar style. It's pretty blabber-centric. Um, so I just think whichever jungle support duo, and obviously we don't even know which jungle is playing for EG, but I think the jungle support duo and who plays top side better is going to decide the series. Like, I don't think EG will play bot side, and I think the meta doesn't really allow C9 to play bot side either. Yeah, I don't know, Tarzan. I think outside of Immortals, C9 is the team that I think is looking the shakiest right now. Uh... And I, maybe they can turn it around. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where we've been waiting a, a, for a while for, like, C9, playoff C9 to show up. So maybe they will this week. But, like, as it stands, I just can't match the level of enthusiasm that you have for for them as a team. Um, and I, I kind of think TSM would, would take them in a, in a best of five. I also, I also have to wonder, like, I'm a little worried about the mental state of that team. I mean, maybe like Golden Guardians, that that victory is like going to help turn them around. But I, I kind of get the feeling that that's a team that is riding their emotions a lot. Here, here's uh, what I'll say to the caller's point. Yeah, I think that C9 is the only team in the lower bracket who could win the entire LCS because they have the highest ceiling. I, I think they have the highest ceiling. I also think their style, with a bit of adjustments, can also do well as against any of the remaining teams so i think that they can get there it's just the question is will and that's the that's the part where both recent and historical evidence kind of are in disagreement but i, I do think that c9 could still win the lcs like i think it's still possible it's just you wouldn't bet on it right now well th uh, thank you so much tarzan i know short but we're a little over time is there anything you want to shout out before we uh close out the call um Shout out to Firemaster99, the best League of Legends content creator ever. Very good. Thank you, Tarzan. We'll catch you next time. Uh, all right. That is the show. Mark, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? I want to plug um, 
my food that's been waiting since I ordered it two and a half hours ago. Um, that's going to be fucking delicious to dig into. Very good. Well, I I guess that that means we'll have a shorter uh, outro from you this week. <laughs> Papa Smithy, what do you want to plug? Uh, shout out to my team. Um, I'm talking about the boys, you know, the staff and players who qualified us to Worlds. You know, we were pretty outspoken about what our goal was and um, made two very big changes and then rode the momentum of that, you know, conversely to people who might have expected us to take time to ramp up, but also had the inevitable fall from grace where we had to look at ourselves and improve. And we've been grinding, you know, um, 14 hour days, six days a week, you know, like it's, it's, it's long days. We don't get home each day till after 9 PM, usually trying to, trying to become the team we want to be trying to actually match intention with result, you know, rather than just talking a big game about expectations or dollars spent. Um, and a year ago, at this time, we had just been knocked out by EG, you know, in seventh, I think we were, seventh, eighth, and started planning for the 2021 season with no break, you know, was straight into calls and, and trying to work out what our goal would be for this year with obviously Worlds as the, the organizational hope. So to reach that is obviously uh, a really big thing. I'm not good at um, reflecting on my accomplishments or anything like that, but that if you set an intention and you reach it, you should definitely thank all the people that put hard work into making it happen so big shout out to the team and also to the leadership for supporting the vision thank you so much papa smithy for coming on the show i really appreciate it uh, yeah the for... first hour of you with all the stories from this weekend were great i feel yeah. like that that adds so much to hear i mean honestly know. the show is always better without the callers guys we know it uh oh, you know. i wasn't saying that i wasn't I mean, quite I'm going saying that, that. It's, it's true we we uh you know I think we have the right mix. We have the right mix of the beginning where we banter, but I think it'd be hard to do that for two hours and have it feel great. So we got the 30 minutes of us having fun, and then we get some callers to bring up some amazing topics. And we get to be a, a, a platform for the community, which I love. Uh, but thank you so much, Papa Smithy, for coming on. Thanks, ev thanks everyone, for watching. Uh, we air every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so please check us out there. You can get the audio version on all your favorite podcast platforms. I prefer Spotify because I do a show with Emily Rand called Rift Reaction, which I'd love for hear you all to check out. It's uh, only about 35 or so minutes every week. So it's a great addition to Hotline League. We've got a great run at episode coming this week and so much more. So stay tuned. This has been Hotline League. <laughs>